Hi, this is Rob Stone with Duns Creek Baptist Church, and you are listening to Duns Creek Conversations, a weekly podcast about faith, growth, discovery, and the journey that God is leading each and every one of us on. Today in the podcast, I'm joined by my friends, Kyle and Holly Cravens. Kyle and Holly are a husband and wife who serve together as the worship pastors at Church of the Heights here in Palatka, Florida, formerly First Assembly of Palatka. I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation today about worship and what drives Holly and Kyle to think about excellence in terms of how they worship God. Let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation so you don't miss anything at all. So I want to thank Kyle and Holly Cravens for being with us on the podcast. Um, Kyle and I had actually attempted to record a podcast before, and uh, because of some technical difficulties, um, it was unusable. Um, but it actually works out better because now you both get to be here. Um, and you both really serve such a cool role, a role which is that you, as, a, as, as partners, as a husband and wife couple, serve together as worship pastors at First Assembly. Or, I'm sorry. Oh, I made a big mistake there. At Church of the Heights, <laughs> formerly First Assembly of Palatka. And so um, I, I kind of want to start here. Um, you are both here in Palatka, Florida, worship pastoring at a church of 250, would probably, probably be a good, good number. Um, yet you met while both of you were at... Hillsong Leadership College in Sydney, Australia, at one of the largest churches in the world. <laughs> um, but you both have really, uh, despite um, despite your age, um, you between the two of you have like thirty years of worship leading experience. <laughs> Um, you've, yep. you've both been doing it for a long time, and so let's start off with a pretty generic kind of question: How did you get here? <laughs> how, how, so, so where are you from? How did you end up serving in this role at this church in Palatka, Florida? Why don't we start with you? Oh, okay. Um, well, I am originally from Palatka. I mean, my parents moved here when I was two, so I've grown up here, lived here, and. Um, I attended First Assembly before I went to um, Hillsong. was on the worship team um, and was like the year before I left for Australia, the pastor wanted me to step into more of a leadership role because mm. we didn't have a worship leader at that time. And that really opened my eyes to the responsibility of mm. being a leader. Um, before I was just on the team, yeah. I was kind of a co-leader at some points, but... Um, yeah, and then went to Australia and met Kyle, and um, we talked about where we wanted to go mm. after Hillsong, and because he's from Missouri and I'm from Florida, and we're like, well, which state are we going to go to? Are we going to go to a different one? Um, decided on Florida, and I was like, well, hey, I'm pretty sure my church doesn't have a worship leader, and there's two of us now, so yeah. do we want to apply? And so we called my pastor up and talked to him, and... Um, just kind of worked its way out. Um, we moved back to Florida. Well, I moved back to Florida and he moved to Florida mm -hmm. and, um, started doing, um, that role at first assembly, um, together before we were even married, we were engaged and, um, 
we had what three four months before we were gonna be married yep so yeah yeah and uh, I guess as far as me I like Holly said grew up in Missouri I'm near Branson um, a little small town right outside of Branson called Rockaway Beach and uh, started leading in, in middle school um, and then just continued to lead all the way through through high school and college um, then after college made the decision um, before entering the workforce uh, with my bachelor's to go to Hillsong and spend some time there mm-hmm. and um, it was really a, a great decision for me um, definitely had a lot of personal growth that happened in just the one year that that I was there um, absolutely a lot of spiritual growth that happened but then it was also my first time to get exposure to a really large church um, I've, I've always grown up in small churches you know we were part of, of many churches growing up but always always fairly small bodies you know a uh, hundred maybe 200 people um, and so to be a part of a church on that scale was pretty phenomenal um, it just opened my eyes to to the benefits of a large church, everything that's possible um, through a large church, but then also some of the benefits of a smaller knit community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, like Holly said, uh, we got engaged in Australia and decided that we wanted to plant our family here in Palaka. And so uh, we got on at a first assembly almost six years ago, and uh, and now we're still on at Church of the Heights, and here we are today. <laughs> so, I want to talk about worship in general, and how it is that you first got involved, leading worship, co-leading worship, what was what was the path that took you each into worship ministry, and not just took you there, but what are the things that have kept you there, because it's, it's a long season of both of your lives that you've both served in worship, mm-hmm. um, and, and especially in... In the last 20, 30 years, that's not as rare as it used to be, but that's not typically a place that most people would land and spend such a large season of their lives. So what was it What was it that kind of first got you into that, and then what kept you there? I think for both of us, it's probably parents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a heritage our, thing. <laughs> yeah, absolute heritage. Um, my parents were not worship leaders, um, but my mom was always very devoted to going to church. Um, always sang. Um, she began playing playing keys, uh, you know, in church. Um, my dad then started uh, started coming back to church a little little later on, um, my, my middle school, high school. Um, but, but they always both sang. And so singing was a huge part of my life. Just growing up, I can remember just being so small and singing. Um, but then once I had that that realization of worship and kind of what worship was. It's like I was that kid that, that went to the, the youth events and I just wanted to jump in the aisles and give everything that I had, you know, for God. Um, and it was kind of from, from that place that uh, I said I absolutely love worship and I wouldn't mind doing this for the rest of my life in a leadership uh, capacity. Um, yeah. Um, both of my grandparents were involved in <laughs> leading worship at their churches, which passed down to my parents. Uh, my dad led worship from the time he was like 12, mm. um, could play organ and played in the church. And then my grandma pushed him to to pursue music. He really mm. wanted to be an artist and he pursued music and um, was a worship leader when he met my mom. And wow. so they'd been doing it all of my life. And to see that example of them truly loving God and mm. giving it their all. And they walked through a lot of stuff. I mean... 30 years of ministry from my point of view yeah. of being hurt and 
Yes, you saw all that picking as a kid. It up. Yes. Picking themselves back up, picking our whole family up, moving to a different church, plugging themselves back in, being devoted to that church until, you know, it was no longer possible to stay there anymore and, and going to another church. And, and <clears throat> so seeing all of that and knowing what that would look like for my future, knowing that if I pursued this, this was some of the costs that I'd have to pay. Um, I don't know, when I was younger, I, I just, I had an encounter with God that was like no other. And I really fell in love with God mm. and leading or being in a worship service was like the perfect way to express that love. Mm. And that carried over into, I want to help other people to experience that too. Mm. Like, I don't, I, we're still trying to figure out how to actually implement that point of view of how do mm. you teach somebody how to love God? But mm. that's, that's where our heart is. We, yeah. we see people struggle in the worship service and we think, how is it that we can help you do this at your home so that when you're here, it's not so much of a struggle? Mm. Um, so I think that's where the passion came from. Just example, you know, yeah. of our parents and. That's so good. So uh, there's something you said there, Holly, that I think is so important for us to spend some time focusing on. You said that we, we want people to experience this at home. We want this not just to be a Sunday thing because we recognize that if this is just a Sunday thing, it's going to be awkward. It's, it's not going to feel normal. It's not going to feel organic. But if worship is a part of your life seven days a week, then what you do on Sundays is just a continuation mm -hmm. of what you're already doing throughout the week. That is such a sea change of thinking, in, especially in the American South, where even in the Pentecostal movement in the American South, it still can largely be a Sundays and Wednesday at most kind mm -hmm. of thing. It's, it, it, there can be that tendency where it becomes cultural, it becomes, I have to be in the church building to encounter God. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you think really needs to happen, or, or maybe a better way of asking this is, what happened for you that made it so you just became fully aware? I can have an encounter with the risen, with the risen Jesus seven days a week, no matter where I am. This isn't a four walls of the church, two hours on a Sunday morning. This, this is the God who is alive every second. And so I can meet with him every second. What what was it that happened along the way that gave you that view? Because that even even in the church, that that is rarer than we wish that it was. Yeah, um, I think for me, I'll answer, and then you can share sure. yours. Um, <clears throat> two things, um, just personal experience. I I fell in love with God, and so. I was reading the word and I was praying and those prayers turned into a form of worship mm. without music. It just, that is what worship is. It's, it's communicating with God. It's, mm. and I found myself worshiping everywhere, um, in the car, just listening to worship music, um, getting ready just while I was thinking about what God had done in my life and mm. what I wanted to see him do in my life. And, um, just having a grateful heart, you know? And then the second thing was, it's a mindset. When your mindset shifts from 
you're going into God's house where he lives Mm. versus he's actually with me all the time. Yeah. And when that mindset changes, Mm -hmm. you realize that I don't have to wait until Sunday to encounter him. I can encounter him Mm -hmm. now because he's right here. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember um, I'm not a music writer. (laughs) I don't (laughs) write songs. But there was a time that I would sit down at the piano and just write anything. And it wasn't that I actually penned it out. It just I just played and just sang Mm -hmm. whatever was in my heart. And that, to me, was like a big turning point of mm. this doesn't have to happen when we're singing this special song or this song that I felt God in three months ago. Um, it can happen when there's no song being sung mm. by a leader or someone else's words or whatever. I can just worship God because I love him and yeah. I want to encounter him. Um, I think it was the same. I remember um, when I was younger, growing up in Branson, um, we always used to listen to the radio in the car, either going to school or, um, you know, doing errands. And generally it was country music that would be on the radio. I remember that when I was really young. Um, so I got accustomed to a lot of country music. And then it seemed like um, my mom found this Christian radio station. Hmm. And from that point, that's what was on in her car. It was Christian radio. <laughs> what, what era of Christian radio? Oh, so what, this would have been early 2000s probably. Okay. Yeah, so, late '90s, late '90s, early 2000s. So, DC Talk, Newsboys, yeah, there you go. Sonic That's Flood, us. all that. Yeah, come on, yeah. come on. Um, and so from that, uh, being being immersed in that, you know, in the car, either going to school and having having a song on my heart, you know, that that wasn't just about the woes of the day, but it was about a God that loved me, hmm. you know. I think that it just changes your morning from from the very beginning, yeah. you know, from the first thing that you put in. Um, and I'm so blessed now, you know, I've got a job that every day, you know, we turn on, we turn on the radio, listen to just Christian music all day long, you know, in, in different people's homes as we do construction. Um, and so every day, um, I just, it's such a, such an opportunity that I have to just be engulfed in worship music all the time. Um, I'm so thankful for it, but, um, but I can definitely see just how important that is. Um, cause I know whenever, um, we're in some people's homes or whatever it is that, that, there's secular music playing. It's like, that's absolutely fine. You know, it's fine. You play it. And, you know, we don't, we don't mind it. I'll go right ahead. Um, but there is just something that happens when you're in a worshipful environment mm-hmm. rather than just, just a, a, a secular environment, you know? Um, and so it always, it's always just so refreshing just to be in the presence of the Father through worship. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I want to, you said something there that surprises me, knowing the two of you, <clears throat> that you don't write songs. <laughs> is that is that not something you all have tried before or is it, is it something that you might feel like because I, I think about a couple like yourselves who God is, is so clearly using and, and so clearly have something to say yeah. like not just for the church but to the church is is that is that not something you felt stirring to to work on that, or is it just one of those things that like hasn't gone well before? Like, what's what's the story so, there? So we have kind of ventured out onto some songwriting before, and what we really found out um, is that I'm a melody guy. Like, I really love enjoy, I enjoy creating melodies. Mm-hmm. Um, Holly really she is a lyricist. You know, she's got some really beautiful lines, um, and just to be point blank, 
it's just a time thing for us, I think. Mm-hmm. Like for us to sit down and write is just this block of time that right now in our life just seems like, oh, we just don't have that. <laughs> you know, I feel like we're so plugged in. So, and it's, it, it is, I think it, it's not like a, this deep desire that we have to put like our feelings on paper, you know, mm-hmm. like this. And so maybe we just don't have quite that, that passion yet. Um, <laughs> maybe if it was more of a passion, then we would probably find more time for it. But, but yeah, it's not something that we've put a lot of time into. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think from my point of view, it feels a lot like homework. And I never liked school. This girl never liked school. Ever. Like, I, I wasn't very good at reading growing up. Yeah. So, like... Any kind of... If it feels like work. Yes, if it feels like homework, I just veer away from it. Plus, it's ironic that though we do music all the time, our children will not let us play music (laughs) at our house. They actually... Um, they actually start crying mm-hmm. when we start playing. For, for the audience, we have a three-year-old and a six-month-old. Yes. So. I, I have an eight- and six-year-old who yeah. do the same thing, <laughs> so I know what that's like. So to sit down and even even rehearse music is a challenge. Challenge, yeah. Um, we need to find a babysitter for that, which <laughs> we're pretty much exhausted because we do so much outside of writing music. That yeah. <laughs> You've reached a point where like, your parents will only watch the kids so many times, your neighbors yeah. will only watch the kids yeah. so many times. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. So maybe, you know, when they're teenagers and they're not yeah. here so often. Yeah, hit us up in like a decade. Maybe okay. we'll yeah. start writing some songs. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so really what we're looking for is we're looking like eight, nine, ten years out that's yeah. when we can expect to see some like Holly and Kyle Craven CCLI Alvin, Alvin 40, drop, 45 yeah. year old version yeah. of us yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of the wisdom there what would a 45 year old <laughs> Cravens have to say wow <laughs> I love it um, well, hey, let's, let's talk about this um, you both felt led uh, um, really Kyle you grew up in a number of Baptist churches in yeah. in uh Missouri. Yeah. Um, and you've experienced, I think you've experienced probably more than most, just the, the breadth of, of churches that, sure. that, that even two churches that have the same affiliation and same identity denominationally mm-hmm. can be two very different churches. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think also for someone local here to Putnam County who might be listening and they're going, Hey, Church of the Heights, I know it used to be First Assembly, I know it's Assemblies of God Church. They may have a, a an impression on what that is, or, or even the word Pentecostal. They, they may go, well, that's what this this is, and they have some yeah. image that comes into their mind. But even that picture of going, that each church is different, and in two churches that have the same denominational affiliation may be radically different from one another. But you came out of some Baptist churches in Missouri. And you yeah. came out of Assemblies of God Church here in Putnam County. And you both ended up in Hillsong, yeah. at, in Sydney, Australia. And I know you both only did one year there. But talk to me about what you learned during your time at Hillsong that you kind of take back with you and you rely on every week. What, what are some of the things that you go... Hey, even if you never get the experience that we had to go to this school, here's some of the key takeaways that, that we came home with. And what are some of the things that you saw at Hillsong, this, you know, church that has, you know, 30-something campuses on 26 nations, you know, this church of this size. What are some of the things that having that experience 
after your year, you kind of went, yeah, I think God may be calling us to a smaller environment. So, so what, what are the really great things? What are the things that, man, we're going to keep using this as long as we're in ministry? And what are the things that you went, I think God has uniquely positioned us and gifted us for a smaller church environment? So I'll backtrack story just a little bit. Um, in Missouri, I first went to, when I was very young, a Methodist church. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, corporate worship in there. I was very young, probably grade school. Um, I remember corporate worship in the Methodist church. Um, and then from there, we transitioned to uh, a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that church uh, went through quite a transformation. It went from a very just orthodox, you know, Baptist church um, to a very charismatic Baptist church. Yeah. And so worship, you know, um, changed dr- drastically for me. Yeah. I got all this exposure to all of these different, we'll call it kinds, forms, versions, whatever, of worship. But what didn't change was my heart behind the worship. Mm-hmm. It was just my expression of, God, I love you. Whether that was through a hymnal or whether that was me playing guitar, just singing words that come out of my heart, it was always this, God, I love you. And I just want to express that in, in any way that I know how with my mm-hmm. voice, with my words. <clears throat> and so that is um, <laughs> kind of keep on trekking down that. We then transferred from there to another Baptist church that was actually in the small town that I grew up in. And so um, it's just just maybe, I think the church started like 50 people. It was a little little schoolhouse church um, and grew in the few years that I was there to a couple hundred people. And they, um, just a wonderful church. They're impacting the community, doing great things. But like I said, the the worship for me from the heart didn't change. And so that is what, what I took to Hillsong. Being such small churches that I came out of, I never got the level of excellence of musicianship that mm. came at Hillsong. And so that was a huge exposure to me. You know, simple things like using in-ears, using clicks, tracks, you know, all these things um, that I've, man, I've never even been exposed to that before. You know, maybe some, you know, wedge monitoring system on stage, you know, but all of these things that um, kind of take you to that next level of excellence, yeah. you know, um, musically uh, just wasn't, wasn't exposure. And so... For, for me, on my week-to-week basis, those are the things that I look at that I go, okay, excellence is, is vital. Like, I, I want to bring God my best. Like, that's mm. always my heart. What are some ways that I can equip my team to bring God their best and I can bring God my best every week? Um, and so practically, Hillsong gave me some of those tools, you yeah. know, to do that. Um, some things that I saw while I was at Hillsong, especially in the college where were hundreds of young leaders like myself who are way more qualified than I to lead worship. And and they're just sitting in seats, one one learning, but some of them, you know, wanting to get plugged into Hillsong, you know, the, the church himself. And and as I as I sat there in, in my classes, you know, one of one of the, the things that I just kept meditating on was there are so many churches all throughout America, small churches, that would just do anything for one of you to walk in the doors and begin to lead. Mm-hmm. And that really became evident when, when we came back here. And there's so many different churches around the area that just struggle getting anyone with any kind of musical ability to lead at all. And so that is part of Holly and I's passion with small church is, yeah, there is so a place for large, you know, for a large church and we love it, but we can bring a level of excellence to our small body. Um, and that's what we're passionate about. You know, the larger churches, they have an overflow of talent and ability and that's great, but the smaller churches struggle in that area. And we're able to help out in that. And so mm-hmm. that's what we really love doing. That's what, that's what we try to do on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think something that I <clears throat> learned while I was there, um, just the attitude of serving. Mm-hmm. 
um, something that they really stress a lot. Um, to to the to, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I know a lot of people who have gone to to Hillsong Leadership College thinking, all right, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve on a team and I'm going to learn how to lead worship. And they spend the first year they're there stacking chairs. Mm-hmm. and Not involved and, in music at all. And, and, they, and, that's, and they're done. That's mm-hmm. what, this is what I thought it was going to be. Yep. Exactly. But, but I want to connect it to what you're saying, this idea of the attitude of worship. Why is, is that level of learning to serve so important for the attitude of worship? Because if you are always wanting a platform... That is not worship. Your your platform is not worship. It's your heart. Mm. And that's what I saw a lot. And that's honestly something that I had to deal with myself was what do I want? Do I want just a platform? Am I just wanting to be Holly, well, previously Cambers when I went? Holly Cambers, she does worship. Oh, she's so cool. Or do I really want to give God my best? And do I want to serve through that, whether I get recognized as anything or not? And that is what they stress a lot of just do your best. Just mm-hmm. do what you've been called to do. If you are called to clean up the trash after each service, then do that to the best of your ability. If you were given the opportunity to do something that you've been dreaming about doing, then do that to the best of your ability. But don't be upset when you don't get to be asked the next time to do that same job mm-hmm. and um, I think submitting to the leadership that is placed um, was another thing that um, I still reference today mm-hmm. of your leader may not always be the one that you want or think you're think is qualified to mm-hmm. be the leader but they are the leader for a purpose yeah. um, and that is a hard lesson to learn and it will probably continue to be a lesson throughout my life. But um, it's that attitude of this leader is this leader is in this leadership position for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's probably to teach me something yeah. about myself that I need to straighten out. And um, yeah, something that we just wanted to bring back was, I mean, those lessons we've we've seen them kind of play out with different members of our team, um, just. Just being able to say, listen, why are we doing this? You know, why are we up here? Are we up here just to be seen and to be heard? Are we up here to give God glory through everything? Whether anybody ever sees us up here or not, whether the spotlight is on you, whether you ever get a solo, whether, you know, are we doing this for the right reason? Mm. And um, I don't know. Um, I think as far as passion for being part of a small church um, or a smaller community um, is just knowing people. You get more of the relationship when you, um, how I'm trying to say this, when people know you, Hmm. they can trust you when you're leading them. Um, And that's just something that Kyle and I kind of experienced there you see these people up on the stage all the time, but when they're off stage, who are they? Yeah. And what's their attitude like? And sometimes it's a little bit repulsive. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, wow, that's really admirable. I can, I can get behind you. I can, yeah. I can let you lead me. Um, yeah. So. The, the, in many ways, the, the stewardship of leadership is having a heart worth following. Yes. 
And I think that we we see that in a small community of we want to know our people that come into our church. We Kyle does a better job of it than me just because I'm taking care of children, but we want to meet the people that come into the to the church. We want to get to know them. We want them to feel like we're approachable, that mm. it's not just these people up here on the stage and then they get off stage and they're just too cool to talk to. It's, yeah. I want you to be able to come up and talk to me. And uh, yeah. yeah, let's go have lunch together. Let's go um, build community. Let's yeah. build a relationship. And yeah. I think that's where maybe some of the training of this is how you worship comes into play when you actually have a relationship with people that don't know how to worship. <laughs> yeah. You said something in there, Holly, about um, every leader that you have, every every authority that God has placed in your life is for a purpose. You know, one of the things that is true in, in terms of, you know, you read, you read on leadership and study of leadership is that high-capacity leaders often have a hard time following Mm-hmm. High, high because pe- people who are, are gifted leaders, people who are natural leaders, tend to go, well, here's how I would do it, and I can do that. I, I have enough, whether that's leadership capacity, whether that's kind of personal capital, whatever, whatever that is, oftentimes high-capacity leaders are in a position where if they want to do it a certain way, they can do it that way, and they mm-hmm. can find a place to do it. And yet the kingdom of God is designed with this beautiful picture of authority in authority, human authority, in understanding of human authority that is connected to both you and the person above you are both servants of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so you can serve you can serve them boldly because they're serving both mm-hmm. that that if everyone adopts this idea of, of being servants we can all serve together mm-hmm. and that's a powerful thing to talk about that's a powerful thing to say that's an entirely different thing to get into your bones mm-hmm. what does that look like for for the two of you if you're high capacity leaders um, and, and like and Kyle, like you said, you're you're in a community where, look, there's there's a dozen churches looking to hire people in your position right now. There has to be a high degree of commitment to where God has placed you and called you, because the truth is you're both high enough capacity leaders that if you want to do something different, you can just go somewhere else. You can just go do something else. So what is it that you've learned, and, and I, I want to say especially in the last three or four years at what was First Assembly, what is now Church of the Heights, with all the transition that church has gone through, what does it look like for the two of you to go, this is where God has planted us, and we will stay faithful here because we're all serving the king, and so we can serve, we can serve any leader because we are humble enough to know that we're servants of one king and one lord. Mm-hmm. What's that look like for you all? I, I think um, something that we've talked about a lot in the last couple of years is if we leave, why are we leaving? Mm-hmm. And whose voice are we following? Are we following our own voice because mm-hmm. we're uncomfortable with all these changes and all of the new leadership and... Um, whatever it may be, whatever it is, 
or are we listening to God? Mm. Is God telling us to leave? And that may be a strange concept for people. Um, I know growing up, talking to my family, my extended family about, you know, what my plans were and they they were successful minded people mm. of you need to get a good job and this and that and that's great. But when I would say, you know, I'm just waiting on God to show me what to do, it was like that's a cop-out answer. Yeah. and It felt foreign to them. Yes. Yeah. But that truly is what we are called to do. We're called to wait on the Lord. Mm. We're called to listen to his voice. And if he says to go, then we go. And if yeah. he says to stay, then we stay. Whether we're in a desert or we're on a mountain, that place where God has put you is better than any place mm. that you could go Come outside on. of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's maybe where our commitment comes from. It's, it's not that we're committed to any one person per se or one building or one um, body of believers. It's we're, we're truly just trying to listen to God's voice and we just haven't heard him tell us to leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's so good. I think that there's so much that comes from leadership, <coughs> um, their commitment to a body. I feel like my influence now in our body is much more than it was as of six years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a guy from Missouri who most people thought was from Australia. <laughs> they did. Uh-huh. Some of them still think Some he's Some still think I'm from Australia. For the record, I'm not from Missouri. But ha- being in that position for so long now, there's this level of trust now. Holly spoke about it a little bit about this small church, you know, us, us wanting to get to know everyone in our, in our local body. It's that adopting that more of the mentality of, we're pastors in this church and we care about you and we love you and it's from that relationship that there's this trust and now we can begin to say all right trust me enough to lead you into worship come on let's go together mm-hmm. let's go to a place that we haven't been yet mm-hmm. and that is part of what what keeps us at our body we do we love we love the body we love um you know the the people that we get to worship with every week they're, they're they are like family um and so that's very for me, it's, it's very important, you know, if we were to go to another church and, and losing losing all of that, losing all the years of, of vested uh, relationships, you know, um, that's a huge cost. You know, it, it is a huge cost. And like Holly said, we, we did feel called to this body, you know, to this area, to this to this local body. Yeah. And, uh, and God hasn't said, you're free to go. Go yeah. on. And so here we are. <laughs> um, still so happy to keep on making relationships every week yeah. um, and just doing what we love. That's so good. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? I think it's interesting that um, you can go through seasons of wanting to be in a different spot, whether that be um, you want to be in a different town or you want to be at a different church, you want to be around different people, but um, where God has called you to, it truly is the best place to be in, even when you don't want to be there. And it's amazing how quickly God can shift your mindset when you are just willing mm-hmm. to be obedient even though it's uncomfortable yeah. how he can change your heart and your mindset to finding things that you really love about that situation mm. and it turns something that is not comfortable into something that you don't want to give up yeah um so just wanted that's to powerful. plug that in <laughs> no that's powerful um so a a, a hillsong pastor so carl lentz said this in a conference one time and uh it is um i i I feel like it's a quote i go back to more and more 
um, as the years go on, which is most, most pastors will drastically overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and drastically underestimate what they can accomplish in 10. Hmm. And, and there's something about that that I love, which is this picture of the longer the faithfulness, the greater the reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about staying where God has you because God didn't say go. And that's the best place. And even learning, not just to love it, but learning to go, no, I'm not letting go of this because even if it's painful, even if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to hold on to what God has for me rather than anything else. But it takes that. It takes that commitment. It takes that faithfulness to experience the long-term rewards. And I think what often happens, especially for young leaders, is you'll see a lot of young leaders who will jump ship too early because they're chasing after the thing they don't realize only comes with long-term faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So there's, they go somewhere for three years and then they leave because they're not getting the rewards yet of the long-term faithfulness. So they leave and they go somewhere else expecting the other, the new place they're going to where they're going to be brand new. That'll be the place that gives the long-term rewards and, and they keep missing out on what God has for them because of the unwillingness to just go, no, I'm going to stay and be faithful to where God has me. And unless God tells me to leave, I'm going to stay right here. Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when I don't understand what's going on, I'm going to stay right here. But when you do that, people trust you. People begin to know they can count on you. There's the, you know, you get the experience of leading people through change, leading people through difficult seasons and then on the other side of that you get to see hey here's what god let me be a part of building Mm -hmm. and and i just wonder how many people in in our generation of church leaders are missing out on actually building something because they keep looking for the place that's easy or comfortable Mm -hmm. or really fun Mm -hmm. that that you miss you miss out on the hard part of building because building isn't always fun and it's not always easy and it's like creating culture in a space is not always fun and easy but you all have done that at what is now Church of the Heights so talk to me a little bit about the last six years and what it's looked like to create a culture of worship at the church that you're at now and what what, what are some of those rewards you're beginning to see because you've been there for six years and you've been faithful what are the things you're, you're able to see now about how that culture is catching on that you wouldn't have seen if you'd left three years in? Yeah. I think that it's very important to note that the church has changed so much in the last six years. Not just the people that, that come in and out, but the worship culture has changed so much in six years. You know, um, we did. We came back from Hillsong super passionate, you know, and the the church at that time was in a spot that they had not had a, a solid leader in a couple years, you know, and so they were very hungry for leadership in the within the music role, and so I felt like we had this initial support behind us, just mm-hmm. of we need we need your role. Let's go. Let's go with you, which was so great because so many leaders are met with immediate resistance, you know, um, and that wasn't our case at all. I felt like from from the beginning. We had support from our body, and that was so great. 
but then from from the stage um, in worship, you know, from from week to week, from year to year, you can see how the, how some of that culture has changed. You know, some weeks will just be absolutely immersed in just, I mean. Holy Spirit, just worship. Mm. You know what I mean? Just that that worship that, that you don't even want to move because God's presence is there so much. And then there's some weeks that you look out and as a leader and you go, what happened today? Did we miss it? Mm. What? I know that our body is capable of of this. Not, not that we're capable of you know, some of these things. But you realize you're not giving your everything. Why? And I can see that as a leader now being there for so long when I go, I know, I know you all, you all have this in you, but yet we're presenting God with this today. Why? <laughs> you know? And that, that wouldn't, I don't feel like that would be there in, in, in a short term tenor. Um, it takes an intimacy with people yes, to know that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I think as a leader, um, we've learned how to not read our congregation, but because of the relationships you get the general sense of what the congregation is going through. Yeah. And you're able to better minister mm-hmm. to that situation because you know about it, because you're aware of it, because you have relationships with the people. And you know, wow, our church is really struggling with fear right now. And able to minister mm-hmm. to the people out of that and say, listen, we can overcome this and, and be that sense of encouragement or whether it be heartbreak, you know, mm. knowing that a bunch of people are dealing with loss or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, it's that longevity yeah. of building a relationship with the people in the congregation that is helps us to better <laughs> minister to them. And that changes the culture of the worship in this yeah. whole service because if they feel like they can connect with what you're presenting them with, then they have an easier way of connecting to God. Yeah. You, and, and one of the things that's so beautiful in that is you get the opportunity to not just go, hey, here's some songs we picked out and we're going to perform, mm-hmm. um, which worship ministry can easily become. Even in the best circumstances, there, there's an element of worship ministry that mm-hmm. can become that. But you get to, because of that intimacy and because of that awareness and because of that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of going, here's what dealing with right now and the church is always going to grab a hold of something that it, that isn't just not just a song they're singing to God mm-hmm. but a song they're singing about the honest real place they're at in mm-hmm. in declaring that out to God mm-hmm. and so you get that opportunity because of that relationship to go hey like it's not just about songs we picked out but we know this is what the church is going through right now. Mm-hmm. So worship today isn't about singing songs. Worship today is, is around ga- gathering around these anthems that we are declaring a truth about God in the midst of this feeling. Or we are, we are asking God in this song to come and do something in our hearts to, fr- to set us free from this fear or this slavery. And so you get that opportunity to where it's not just performance, but because of the intimacy, it really gets to become worship and leading the, the church in worship. So as you've done that, how have people responded? Have, have you really seen a, a, a really sharp contrast between when you came and, and the church's response in worship to where you are now? Um, I think we've always had 
people that were passionate about worship, you know? Um, sometimes that, that looked like the church may be going through a season where vocal gifts were present, you know, um, gifts of, of prophecy tongues. You know, we went through seasons where, you know, almost, almost every service was um, someone speaking up saying, hey, this is, this is a word from the Lord. We've, we've not transitioned um, out of that season. And it just seems like people are just, they're just hungry for the Lord right now. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to just offer their, their utmost praise to him and be very vulnerable in, God, I, I love you. Like that really seemed like even from this morning, that was just this place we're singing this song, God, you're worthy of it all. And it's just, it's so cool to just see our congregation going, yeah. Like, like this is a reality for these people. Like they're grasping this. God, you're worthy of everything. You're more than just the song that I sing. God, you're worthy of it all. And looking out at our congregation and going, they're proclaiming this with the most sincerity possible. Like that for me as a worship pastor is like, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we're being real before God right now. Great success. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask, let me transition to talking about this. Um, you both serve on the... Um, Awaken core team, um, and you both have been a part of Awaken since the very beginning. Yes, um, we're going on three years now. Yes, a little over three years now. Um, and your church is hosting the next Awaken, uh, June twenty second, Saturday night, June twenty second at seven p.m. Church of the Heights is uh, the next Awaken gathering, and then the following Tuesday will be our next Awaken team night. Um, which we just recently finished the first one of those. Um, and that was really something, it was funny, even after as we were kind of cleaning up that night, we were talking about, hey, where did this come from? Where, And, and really, um, we sat down maybe a year and a half ago to talk about Awaken with, with our friend Stephen Baker. And Holly, one of the things you said was really this picture of what it looks like for people to partner together and help resource each other. And, and, and one of the things that you both talked about kind of taking with you out of the Hillsong culture was that thing of going excellence. How can I bring you my excellence? How can I help others bring you their excellence? Um, and so I, I wonder if you both could talk for a minute just about that kind of team night picture, that team night concept, and why you're passionate about it, why it's something that that you believe in, in that idea of the whole church coming together, not just one individual body, not just one local expression of the church, but the whole community of followers of Jesus coming together and going, hey, how do we bring, how do we rely on each other and lean on each other to bring God the very best? Yeah. So what does that look like for you? Why, why are you passionate about that? <laughs> Man, uh, first off, that last team night was absolutely incredible. Um, being a part of that, just, just from the congregational standpoint, you know, we had the team from Colonial come in and lead us and they did a phenomenal job. Um, uh, but Jill asked from the stage, you know, how many of you are leaders in your church and you feel like you can't take a week off because you're in that, you're in that role. And if you're not there, then that role won't be filled. And to see how many hands went up in that room to go, wow, like there are so many people that just feel this weight. <laughs> this weight of if I'm not there there's nothing if I'm not there there's nothing but to see how many different churches were represented in that room and any of them could have been anywhere else that evening but yet they said I want to come and better the gifting that God gave me mm -hmm. for my local body like that was incredible that was incredible that they were willing to go this is going to be a, a pastor from another church coming to present their ideas but 
it doesn't matter. Like I want to, I want to help better my body. And so I'm going to come get the information that they have that from the beginning for me. Um, you know, when, when we first had our conversation about, do you want to be involved in awaken? I was like, yes, this is the idea that man, there's this huge community around us of what 70,000 people in our local body of 200 people. We just don't have the capacity to reach everyone. Yeah. But yeah, whenever you start getting churches together that say, we're not just isolated islands here. We're not just these local bodies that just want to be in competition with one another and see who can gain the largest following. But we are on mission together. Mm. You know, we have the same vision of we want to see lost souls saved. That is such a refreshing thing because for me, it really seemed like the common theme for church was a competitive nature to see who could outgrow the next church. Um, and it's just so unhealthy. But coming back to the simplicity of the gospel of we want to advance God's kingdom and we can do that together. Mm-hmm. There's there's no need for competition here. Yeah. No, there's no need for ego here. We just want to see God glorified and see his kingdom, you know, yeah. his kingdom come. Um, and so, uh, oh, but uh, so Awaken. That's where we were at. Huh? I'm sorry, I kind of tangented there for a minute. Yeah. But but I, mean, um, I, I think I think that's why we all connected around that heart of awaken yeah. so quickly. Yeah. Was just just I think that shared mindset of we're going to spend our lives and our resources and our time and our energy and our gifts mm-hmm. on something. Yeah. And what a shame it would be to spend it on the name of a local church yeah. or even the name of a denomination yeah because the the <clears throat> truth is look um, there's going to be none there's going to be no duns creek baptist church in heaven right there's, there's going right. to be no baptist methodist pentecostal like reformed like right. none of that stuff exists in heaven in eternity it's going to be the name of jesus right and so just that thinking of being like if if i want to be the best steward of whatever it is god's put in our mm-hmm. hands mm-hmm then the, that best stewardship looks like kingdom and only kingdom right. and nothing but kingdom. Right. Yeah. right. I think as far as the team nights go, I think that it's... Um, I remember being just on the worship team, just a BV or mm-hmm. a keyboard player, and wishing there was somebody I could ask questions about how mm. to lead or anything yeah anything ministry wise wishing i wish there was somebody i could ask and thankfully i did have a few leaders over me that were solid leaders that really taught me a lot but i think that's kind of the heart behind the team night is come and ask your questions if we don't know the answers maybe somebody else does maybe somebody else in this big group has an answer for you like it's it's working together like we've been talking about. It's not for one church to be better than the other. Mm. It's maybe there are some people that would feel more comfortable entering your church doors than they would my church doors. And you need to be the best that you can be at your mm-hmm. church so that those people will stay, yeah. so that they'll get ministered to. And I think that it would be a shame if we didn't share with each other what our gifts. Mm-hmm. It's like getting a birthday present and then not letting any of your friends that attended your birthday play with anything that you got. <laughs> like that is just kind of rude. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, I really like the team nights. I really think that they're beneficial and um, yeah. I... Well, um, we've been chatting for about an hour and I want to be mindful of your time because it's a Sunday afternoon um, as we're recording this and uh, it's, 
you know, ministry never ends. So been at church in the morning, going back at night, and uh, things going on all week. Um, but I, I want to close kind of with this question to the two of you. As you look specifically in this small community, if you look at Putnam County, Florida, and you realize this is where God has planted you, this is where God has you serving, mm-hmm. um, even when maybe would even even times or seasons where you wanted to have gone somewhere else or done something else, mm-hmm. God's kept you right here. Um, so, what excites you about the future of? this community? What excites you about what you see God doing in this community? What excites you about what you see God doing in your church and in the community at large? What is it that both as as worship pastors and as parents, what has you excited about this being home? Um, I'm going to throw back to last Sunday um, at the fair. Mm -hmm. Um, We were able to play, you know, with the Awaken team at the fair. I think there were five different churches that, that we represented that Sunday. <clears throat> and the amount of people that came out absolutely just floored me. Like, I, honestly, I was thinking, man, we're Sunday afternoon, we're about 6 p.m. Probably a lot of the churches are going to have evening services. I'm really not sure how many people are, are going to sacrifice their evening service to come and worship mm-hmm. with yeah. a body that's not their local body, but more of an at-large body. Can I tell you, it floored me how many people showed up. And my thought was the vision is being caught. Mm. It's, it's, it's being caught of we can worship outside of our four walls with people that we don't know to worship with. And we can intermingle with other churches and it's okay. And we can love on each other and it's totally fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That for me was such a beautiful thing. Um, as a worship leader, just in the community at large. Yes, God is doing so many different things in our local body, and we can be so excited about some of the newness that's happening. And, you know, Pastor Josh is a phenomenal leader, you know, and he's got so many great things in store for our local body that there's so much to be excited about. But the idea that our churches are beginning to worship together, that is a thought that absolutely... It floors me. If you would have thought me five years ago, if we'd be part of this, I'd be like, yeah, there's no way that 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 could happen. But yet here we are three years into Awaken, and that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, It's absolutely incredible. I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that that we're in competition with a church down the street. Mm -hmm. I want them to grow up realizing, no, we're here to spread the gospel with like-minded believers, Mm -hmm. even though they carry a different different banner of church name. Mm -hmm. They're Christians. And their brothers and sisters. Wow. I don't know. I, it sounds weird, but kind of the work that goes into cultivating the place that you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, when we bought this house, our backyard looked awful. Like, like absolutely awful. It was overgrown. There was nothing pretty in it. Like, it looked like it just needed to be bulldozed and, like, starting over. And over the five years? No four years that we've lived here we've been able to see different plants spring up from not even planting them and just you know just different stuff like that and and seeing we have an orange tree over there that has produced oranges every year but they've been yucky until this year and like just I think the work that we've put in we we both like working in the yard and the work that we put into our yard we've we've reaped the benefits and Mm. so excitement to me is putting in the work it's it's saying here's the task here's the challenge 
let's go at this full force and and let's be excited about what we're going to see in the future. Like if we put in the work, we will reap the benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think for our kids, um, creating the community that we're living in is essential mm-hmm. because we want them to be, yeah. we want them to thrive. We want them to grow. We want them to come to know Christ and we want them to be in an environment that is healthy for them to do all of that. Mm-hmm. And we have to be the ones to make the environment to, yeah. to say, listen, we're going to, we're going to put this best foot forward and we're going to, we're going to work here and we're going to do this. And, and, um, it's not all reliant on us, obviously. Um, cause God, God is mm-hmm. the one that plans all that out, but, um, but you're not going to, you're not going to phone it in. You're not going to do half work. You're going right, to give it all right, you got. Right. We're going to get sweaty and dirty and, and it's kind of fun in the process. Yeah. <laughs> Even when it's hard, it's kind of fun. I love that. That's a great attitude. <clears throat> Talk, talk about the attitude of a leader and the heart of a leader is uh, just realizing, hey, you, you got to learn to have joy in the hard stuff, joy mm-hmm. in, in, in the work, so that, so that you feel like the rewards are not earned, not right. never earned, but, but you feel like the rewards are, the rewards would not have been better spent on someone else. That, that that model of stewardship of going, here's what God's put in my hand. If this is all God's put in my hand, I'm going to use every ounce of this. Right. I love that. Love you. I'm so excited to, to be friends with you guys and to know you guys and see what God continues to do in your lives. Um, for our listeners, uh, Kyle and Holly Cravens can be seen um, 1030, 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock any Sunday morning at Church of the Heights which is located at the corner of Palm and St. John's John's Avenue. Um, And uh, new pastor there, some really exciting things going on. Um, And then, of course, we invite everyone to come out Saturday night, June 22nd at 7 p.m. for the next Awaken Gathering that's going to be there at Church of the Heights. And if you are in any way connected with a worship team in a church, a creative ministry of the church, or you'd like to be, we want to invite you to come out on Tuesday, June 25th at 6 p.m. at Church of the Heights for the next team night, community-wide team night. We're so excited for all that. We pray that you have enjoyed this uh, conversation today, and we look forward to seeing you next Monday. God bless.